Hi there, and welcome back to my channel uh, for an In Conversation With series. And today I'm really, really chuffed to be joined by none other than Liv Thompson. Liv, how are you? Oh, good, James. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on this call. Um, do you mind giving us a brief introduction about yourself, letting uh, letting the viewers know who you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Olivia Thompson. I'm from Florida, the United States. Uh, it's not a speech impediment. This is the way I speak. Uh, yeah, I play, I've been playing football since I was four years old. So that makes it uh, 21 years now. Ouch, that's the wrong number. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about me. And where are you playing at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm playing at Cardiff City Women's Football Club. Uh, and I've been there for one year now. Originally, when I first came to the UK, I was playing with Cardiff Met. And that's where I met you. Um, yeah. Awesome. Nice. Well, let's uh, let's start by fast forwarding back those twenty-one years, if I'm allowed to say that number out loud again, because you weren't very comfortable with that. But <laughs> let's throw that number back out there again. Let's fast forward back twenty-one years. What got you into playing football or soccer, as it probably was known out there for you? Yes, it was soccer. Uh, I thought football was a completely different sport up until like I was like fifteen when people started correcting me. Um, I was born in a very small town in North Carolina, not far outside of a Native American reservation. And uh, I basically followed my brother everywhere, did everything he did. He was like my idol growing up. And when he picked up soccer, I followed him around and did the exact same thing. And I was on his team. I was the youngest person to be on the team at the time, like about like five and six. And there was a little four-year-old me running around, just like trying to follow my brother. My mom was like trying to separate us and I apparently would like throw fit. So she's like, just, just take her, let her play. <laughs> and that's essentially how it started. Yeah. So your, your brother was really the one that kind of brought you towards, towards football and like got you playing it. Oh, hundred uh, percent. My family had no idea what soccer was. My dad had played American football in high school. My mother played tennis, but she's not really very athletic. So I don't know where the genes have come from. Uh, but yeah, soccer has been the sport for me since I was little and it definitely started with my brother. Wow. That's fantastic. And so did your brother, you know, continue to be by your side and support you as you you know grew up into your into your footballing career like was it something that you just kind of did sporadically or did it become more of a regular thing as you got older um so when we moved to florida my mom thought the best way for me to make friends so i was about six years old when we moved to florida and she thought the best way for me to make friends would be to put me in like a local team and from that moment of like playing out in the sun with the palm trees and the warm weather, I was sold. I, you couldn't get me off the field. I was there all the time. I wasn't very good up until I was about like 14 or so. But yeah, my brother was always right by my side supporting me. He still does this day. He won't let me quit. He, uh, he's definitely my number one fan, which is very, very nice to have. Oh, that's brilliant. And so you mentioned that your mum put you in that team in Florida because she thought it'd be a great way for you to, to make friends and to get acquainted with the new area that you had been kind of thrown into, really. Um, did you find the football did like actually helped in that sense? Or did you find that it was quite challenging still making new friends in that footballing environment? Uh, believe it or not, I was actually very shy uh, when I was little. So I think it did help making friends because otherwise like I wouldn't speak to people and I joined the team and a lot of girls on the team were very like outgoing and like their parents invited like me over for like, you know, sleepovers. And like, that's how I made friends initially uh, when I moved to Florida. And that was, yeah, it definitely helped me come out of my shell a little bit. Um, I was very shy, like all throughout high school as well. It wasn't until college uh, in the States that I probably was a bit more the you that you know. So um, okay. 
yeah no, that's, helped me. no that's that's really good like so obviously you know soccer isn't you know the biggest sport in america um it's like probably behind quite a few just just from looking at it from an outsider's perspective you know from across the pond as they probably say out there um so uh, were there any challenges in that sense of you know wanting to be a women's soccer player in in the states because i'd imagine you you mentioned about it you're carrying it forward into high school and into college as well from obviously when you started back at the age of four were there any sort of challenges because obviously it wasn't such a widely known sport so I think it's kind of a misconception actually because I think for men it's not like the most popular sport because they have American football and basketball and baseball and those are like the ones that soccer or football mainly compete with but for women because like you're not allowed to be in baseball and basketball wasn't until like more recently for women and we're still not allowed into like American football except for like very special like exceptions so like for women that was like the main sport so in the states like I grew up watching the USA win the first ever women's world cup and stuff like that um the Mia Hamm was a big role model for me growing up in the 90s uh so like in the U.S. like Mia Hamm was in all the Gatorade commercials with Michael Jordan so actually we did have very big idols for women in soccer in general and I think it might be a bit different to how it is here because like you know I think maybe football is seen as mainly a men's sport but in the states it was actually quite like a women's sport originally before the men started picking it up more yeah no absolutely and I mean that ties me nicely into a question I wanted to I wanted to try and leave it more to the end but I really want to ask it now as a result um obviously there was that massive sort of um not argument if you will but that sort of protest by the usa women's soccer players about their you know where i'm going with this already yeah. about their about their pay about their treatment in comparison to the men's uh, soccer team um what is your stance on that because obviously straight away you've now said that you know soccer in the us is such a big thing to women and female athletes and that you had role models in the 90s and unfortunately that's not the case like over here so what is your stance on that you know that opinion of the usa women's soccer team so in the states like the women's team is miles ahead of like the men's i would say like they've won world cups they've you know brought in loads of revenue uh advertisements like nike has sponsored like sponsored the u.s national teams both men and women primarily because of success with the women's team and the revenue the women's team generated was actually more than the men's for years. So I think that their argument specifically for that case is very warranted, but a lot of other countries, like the women's teams don't do the same as they would out here in Europe, especially. I think like European soccer here in Europe is so like, it's so much older than it is in the States. It's way more of like, oh, I don't know how to explain this, but like the men's like program is like, it's a part of life, like certain like, areas will revolve around their local teams and I wouldn't say it's the same for women whereas in the states like the men in everybody gets right behind the U.S. women's national team and supports them so I think like in that sense equal pay makes a lot of sense for the U.S. women's national team but I understand why it's still more difficult for women here but the women's game won't grow unless it does get financial support so I I see both sides of it but I understand like why out here especially in Europe it's not as common as it would be in the states but for the American national team like it definitely makes sense to see how successful they've been. Yeah, I'm 100% like agreeing with you there about, you know, that that equal pay opportunity and the fact that, you know, it deserves a bit more respect than it normally gets. And so, like, the next obvious, obviously question is, so how do we go about, you know, growing the women's game over here across the pond? Because you mentioned there straight away about, 
you know, the men are behind it, you know, families behind it, your local areas, they'll like if the USA women's national team are playing in your state, you'll go and watch them play no matter who you are. Do you think that that's something we need to adopt over here? Because you look at the crowd attendance for, you know, perhaps a, a Chelsea, you know, men's game, it's, you know, three, four times over what you would get for a Chelsea women's game. And mm. do you think that lies, that there lies the problem of, you know, what perhaps we need to do over here in Europe compared to the US is we actually need to, start watching it more, start going to the games, you know, and, you know, giving it that equal opportunity to be broadcasted as well. I don't know if that's something that you had considered before. Yeah. So the game won't grow unless there is like finance coming into it. If it's not visible, nobody's going to want to invest in it. So that comes a lot from the men's team supporting it. And if you look at what Juventus has actually done with their women's team, they basically told all locals who are like, you know, the fans who have like tickets and stuff like that, like the season ticket holders, they told their all their youth academy teams that they had to turn up to the women's first game inside the arena. And it was practically sold out. There's like 66,000 people at Juventus's first ever mm -hmm. home game for the women, if you look it up. So if the men's team will support it and advocate for it in the same way, like they sent out like emails to like all the season ticket holders, they're like, hey, come out like free of charge. Like we'd love to have you out there and just support the game. Some people went out and saw like, oh, it's it's actually a good level and like that will make fans long term. And I think if you have the men's programs who are affiliated with, with the women's teams and they do support that, that's how the game grows. But there also has to be an investment at the grassroots level, because if you're like uh, the classic men, if you ever go on into anything on like Twitter or whatever in the comment section, they're like, oh, like this is the level. And, you know, it's like, well, if you invest in the level at the grassroots and focus on making women's like footballers more technical, then when they get to that like professional elite level, they already have all the same uh, avenues that the men have had to develop their game technically and athletically. So I think like that investment at the youth level and that investment from the men's team into their women's team is massive for the success of it going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you basically you've put it so well because you've seen we've seen the success of it with Juventus and, and their women's team. I mean, I had no idea that that had happened, but if yeah. more clubs perhaps adopted that and more people were aware of that sort of happening, then we could see this, you know, this women's football game grow tenfold, you know, because sport is going to be very popular coming out of this lockdown. And because um, people obviously spend lots of time inside. And, you know, one of the things and the solaces that people have had is, you know, remaining active in, in, their, in their lives, within their house with the great Joe Wicks. Um, so let's go back to you. Let's talk about, you know, that obviously sort of you've moved states, new town, new home. Football really helps you come out of your shell when was it that you kind of discovered then that this was something you really, really loved and you knew you were good at it in a way, you know, without being, without being big headed or anything, you don't have to worry about that because it comes for different people at different times. Um, I actually learned that I loved it around the same time I found out I wasn't good at it. This is quite funny. Um, so when I was 13 years old, uh, we were about to like go up to the what they would call like the elite divisions within our club which is like 14 through 18 where you focus on like players trying to get their college scholarships and we were taking on a professional coach uh, who was like a massive mentor for me throughout my life named Fiji and he was a Haitian coach who had moved to the area originally he was a big like local legend he was amazing had played professionally uh, he coached at the local college and around that time, uh, the head coach of the team that we had currently before Fiji took over was telling me like, oh, we're going to have like a real coach in and you're probably going to get dropped down to the B team because you're not at the level. And I was like, oh, OK, so I'm not as good as like I thought I was. 
And uh, I remember Fiji saying, we're going to give everybody like a fair shot at the trial. So for me, I was kind of like, all right, I've got a few months to put some work in. I don't want to lose the game. This is something that I want to do and I want to pursue. So I spent all summer training and getting as many extra touches. Like I didn't know as much about the game because again, my family didn't have a big background in it. So I went and I trained and then I actually ended up making the A team for my age group, despite what the original coach had said. So I think it was around that time that I realized it was something I really wanted to pursue. And then as I played for Fiji, who inspired me as a player and taught me to love the game in a way that I never had before, which was great. Uh, he told me, you know, like, I think you can do this if you want, but you have to get your degree first, which funny comes up into the story later on, um, which is how I actually ended up at Cardiff Met. So that is probably around the same time that I realized it was something that I wanted to do. And uh, like Fiji comes up quite a lot over the course of my story of being like my inspiration and somebody who really taught me to believe in myself because he was probably the first person I think to ever actually believe in me and my football journey. So that was probably around that, yeah, about like 13 or 14, I think. Wow. I want to know more about Fiji. I, I really, really do. Because he sounds like, like straight away, you've already said he was a massive part of your, you know, your football journey and your, you know, your athletic life. What sort of what sort of guy was he to to be around? You know, what was he like at training? Because each coach has their own sort of personality when it comes to training a group of kids. So what was his take on it all? Um, he was probably the most unique individual I've ever met in my life. He loved the game just for the joy of what the game could bring you. Uh, most of our conversations with him and especially like with the team was like, what is your purpose for playing if it's to win? if you lose or you're going to be unhappy if it's a score goal and you miss shots you're going to be unhappy you should play the game just because you love the game and that should be your only rationale behind it so it was very much so like uh, a place of passion for him and when he spoke to you he made you feel like you were the only person in the room because he just believed in you so much and it made you believe in yourself and you don't know how much that was real he's a very charismatic person uh he was uh phenomenal coach like there's generations of players who played for Fiji who've gone on to play professionally who've just gone on into coaching and you can see like the attitude of love for the game has carried on throughout every generation he's coached um he taught in parables funny enough I don't know if that was the Haitian in him that uh would tell us quite interesting stories um I'm not going to even get into one because I feel like you can't really sell it without the same accent but there was a story <laughs> once about a little frog who believed in himself. And I'm going to leave it there because anybody who's ever heard the story will know. And it's, he just would come up with the craziest stuff you've ever heard. And you were just so, he just had such a magnetic personality. You would listen to the end of your first, you're like, what is this man going on about? And then he'd like wrap it around to somehow like believing in yourself. And that's just who he was. Just looked to bring out like the best of everybody. And just, that's just he was a great guy. An inspiration really. Yeah, definitely. And he would jump into training sessions with us. And I think that's when we realized like how good of a player was. He would go around just like nutmeg everybody and run in circles, run us in training at like 40 something years old. Like we were like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to run at Fiji because he's going to make me look bad. <laughs> and does, does he, what, is he still around to like see your football career grow? Does he, you know, message you regularly and ch check in on you still? So actually um, my final year of college in the States, he rang me up and asked me to come play for his university because I was playing another one in Tennessee. And he rang me up and he's like, hey, I want you to come to FIT. And I told him like, hey, Fiji, like, I want to go play professionally. He's like, you have to finish your school first before you can go on to play professionally. And I was like, 
well, of course, I'm going to finish my school first before I go in. Like, what do you want about? And then uh, I think it was about five months after that conversation had happened. And I was in the process of looking to transfer schools. Fiji had a heart attack and he went to the hospital and he passed away. And I was quite sad. Um, so I think around that time was when I realized, like, I'm going to live this life. I'm going to go and play. And I left university before I finished my degree, which is going to make him quite bad to go play professionally in Switzerland. And that was probably about that time. And I think that was a really big turning point for me. But when I finished my year and a half out in Switzerland, I was like, I need to get my degree like Fiji said. And so when I found the opportunity to go to Cardiff Met to like play in UEFA Champions League and also to, uh, you know, continue my education. I was like, I think this feels like something that like he would be proud of. So that's one of the reasons why I ended up at Met for sure. Amazing. It's, it's really, it's great to see the, the impact that, that coaches have on you. You know, I've, I've had it myself personally where, you know, a coach has that certain, just something about them and that connection with the players that are out on the pitch and, you know, and you connect with them through the sport that you love. And their impact will last a lifetime, even though they they do leave you. Um, and it's really great to hear that you know you obviously had that with Fiji, and, and you know he was that man to to be. He's probably still the little voice in the back of your head telling you to do certain things, like you were saying about going off to Met. But let's let's now go back to you know high school live. You know, starting to come out of a shell with the whole soccer thing, um, but not quite because you got to go to college. What was that application process like? You know, the whole. Did you go for a scholarship? Did you know you, you, you needed a scholarship to go to university or what so, was that process like for you? Oh, high school live. Um, <laughs> high school live. <laughs> Talk about myself in third person, absolutely not. Um, I was actually quite a bad student, not in the sense that I wasn't like um, able to understand quite well, but uh, because I still had a bit of like anxiety about going to school and being in like big social situations, I actually skipped school quite a lot in high school to go surfing with friends uh maybe go and play at the field so I didn't realize trying to get a college scholarship you had to have like a certain grade point average in the state to like go off so I had to kind of quickly like my final year of university or university high school um I had to get my grades up quite quickly because I, my mom had never been to college. My father had never been to college. We had no idea about the college process. Uh, the only person who had spoken to me about it was Fiji. And he was under the assumption that I would just come to FIT, but I didn't want to stay local. And I was like, insane with these ideas that I could put like in these big universities. And when I started applying, the coaches were looking at me as a player and they're like, oh, you're quite good. We'd love to have you. There's a couple of D1 schools in like Florida that I was talking to. But then they looked at my grades. They're like, ooh, uh, that's a bit of a problem. And I was like, uh-oh, too many surfing days. Um, so I um, was going through this process of like trying to find universities and it looked like I was just gonna go to Florida Tech and play for Fiji, which, you know, wasn't the worst case, but I kind of wanted to move away and see a bit more of the world. I hadn't really at that point. And yeah, I think I went to a tournament and a Brazilian coach interrupted a conversation where I was speaking to a D1 school. And he's like, I'm sorry, like I have to talk to you. And I was like, excuse me, a bit rude in a conversation. And uh, he introduced himself, his name was Helio Diana, and he was from Sao Paulo, I believe in Brazil, but he was coaching at a division two university in Tennessee called Lincoln Memorial University. I'd never heard of it before. If I speak to anybody about it, they've never heard of it. <laughs> but 
he was willing to offer a full scholarship for me to go play out there. And for my family, who my mother has worked and sacrificed for us since we were little, she raised me and my brother on our own. Um, like getting a scholarship that paid for most of it was really important to me. I didn't want to put my mom in any debt. I didn't want to have her pay for my university after all the stuff she'd sacrificed for me and my brother. So I immediately took this guy very seriously and I ended up committing in the February of my senior year when I was 17 to go to this school. And I actually made some of the best friends I've ever had at that university. I still talk to them today. Uh, we've been to each other's weddings. Like I've got a friend who's now having a baby and- You can say hello to them if, they, if you want, they're probably watching this. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they know who they are. It's uh, Kayla, Joe, Katie, Joe, like uh, Krista. So it's the group, the squad. We've lived in the same house for like, or we lived in university together like most of the time. And uh, it was a great time. It was a great little group that we had. And yeah, they're definitely friends for life. I keep in touch with them. So they're, they were definitely people who support me even to this day in like my football. So yeah, that's, that's how I ended up there. But I definitely didn't know a lot about the college process. I knew I wanted to keep playing, but I think maybe not having the knowledge like um, from my parents having not gone to university and then also from like me having not like looked into the process until very late. That's how I ended up where I ended up. So yeah, yeah worked out for the best. It did. It did. And, and tell me what, what was university football like in comparison to, to what it was at high school? Because I'd imagine that the intensity that which you play at kind of steps up and the training regime steps up, which means your nutrition and, you know, your time management has to change as well. Um, talk me through it. What was that like? Uh, it was busy. It was very busy. So in high school, you train with your team two to three times a week. You have a game or tournaments on the weekend. And I thought that was quite busy on top of high school. Um, and Fiji was a very relaxed coach. So when we got out there, we just played. There wasn't any fitness unless it was like involved in the session. It was just about like, you know, having joy and playing with freedom. And like, obviously he did coach us and we did learn the technical stuff that we needed, but it wasn't as like structured. Mm. And then when I went off to college, it was so structured so we had weights in the morning I'd be getting up at like 6 30 in the morning to run over to weights uh, as soon as we finished weights I'm heading off to class uh from like 9 to 12 grab a quick lunch uh we have training at like 2 to 4 and then I have to go and do my hours my clinical hours for my master or my major which was athletic training so I had to get 170 something hours in like on top of university of getting like clinical experience and playing so I think most of my day was like in classes, in clinic or training. Uh, so it was like every day was very structured, very little time to do other things. Uh, and then, you know, you'd be doing homework on the bus as you're traveling to games. Sometimes we had eight hour bus trips with this team uh, on the you coach. You got to know and, each other pretty well from those, uh, those eight hour mm -hmm. bus trips, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, we had some really great team bonding experiences. Uh, crazy stories uh obviously having brazilian coaches they were a very different style than what fiji had done originally and uh it was crazy some of the stuff that we were doing um like definitely more fitness than we had done before uh than i'd ever done before i wasn't expecting it but it definitely taught me to be a bit more disciplined in that um I picked up some injuries in college so for the first time i actually started like looking to take care of myself learning that recovery aspect of like 
training, especially with my athletic training background as well. I learned a lot about like rehabbing and like, you know, the proper things you need to be doing in recovery in between like sessions and games. So that definitely gave me a good element to start putting into like my personal experience and also help me prepare for being like a professional abroad after this time. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so just, I'm trying to get my brain around how much you had to deal with and how much you obviously had to organize each and every day. Like it's, it sounds like you probably have one of those sort of like cliche sort of moments where you had to time everything to a certain period of time to be like 8am this 9am that 10am this and just kind of go like that and every single day and repeat so where on earth did you find the time to suddenly turn around to a Swiss football team and say hey uh, uh, yeah I'll, I'll be a professional how did how did that happen amongst all the craziness honestly it it kind of came out of nowhere um it was genuinely like so Tennessee is quite cold like in winter time so I'd be like, you know, making my breakfast in the morning, like some waffles, just keep my hands warm as I'm walking to like my weightlifting session and then like run to class right after and then like changing in between. And then in the spring of my senior year was when I like decided because that was, uh, you know, it had been about a year since Fiji had passed. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't want this to end. I want to keep playing. And in the States, unless you're coming from a division one university, it's very, very difficult to play professionally in the States. Like they don't even look at you. They don't consider you. I think if you look at the top league in the U S right now, I don't know if there's any division two players currently playing there. So I knew immediately that I'd have to look abroad and I got in touch with a coach at home, Scott Armstrong, who uh, has trained me as well and has like prepared me. He spent a lot of time with me getting ready to go and play abroad he put me in touch with another coach and I sent him my highlights from college and the owner of the team called me. He's like, Hey, we'd love to have you out here. We'll set you up at the house. You'll get paid. You live with the girls and the team. All you have to do is just go and play. And I'm like, I don't have to do anything else during the day. And you're like, no, you just go to weights. And then you, you go to training. I'm like, this is the dream. So yeah, I was on a, on a plane flew out there I did not realize that the coach and a majority of my team spoke only Italian because we were in the Italian region of Switzerland and Lugano right uh, so I was very grateful that I moved in and there was like seven or eight other Americans which definitely made the experience way easier because my Italian was not very good when I first arrived uh <laughs> it was a, a quick learning curve on that yeah. Did that create perhaps any tension between you and, you know, the teammates that you had just joined, obviously, with all of them, the language barrier between you all? I don't know. Did that create any friction or did you find that actually they were really welcoming people or? They they were very welcoming. Um, they they tried to bring us all out to like team bonding things. There's a big pizzeria right across the street from where we trained. And like, I remember the first time I got there, um, I'd actually lost my luggage. <laughs> And I had a training session the first night. Yeah. So I flew over. My luggage didn't make it with me. And I had to play in the training sessions. I was in borrowed gear. So the girls gave me gear uh, to train in. And they were so nice and like understanding. Um, and then they took us to a pizzeria after. And we thought there's a team. And like the ones who could communicate, they basically used as like a translator to speak to us, to learn about us. And uh, it was really nice. And then obviously I did work on my Italian so I could speak back to them. Um, it was a little confusing with my coach because uh, his only English phrases, uh, some I can't repeat. One of them was basically he just learned the phrase come on to yell at me and the other Americans. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we had to learn Italian to understand what he was saying. It was definitely a uh, an interesting situation. 
yet despite that you were you were living the dream basically you were living out what you had always planned well not planned but always dreamed of doing since you probably set foot on that pitch as a as a six-year-old girl new to Orlando yeah uh we it was definitely the dream like uh I I'm honestly it's a blessing from God I always think about it like we sat there during the day you know we wake up we go travel around the town which is a gorgeous area of Lugano if anybody ever has a chance to go visit it I highly recommend it um when we had spare time we would take like our our earnings and we'd go travel into Italy because right across the border I went to Florence I went to Rome we went to Tuscany so I got to do like quite a lot of traveling while I was out there just for free time uh and then you know we would be doing Game of Thrones marathons during the day and then go to training at night and, you know, come back and do it all again. And it was, it was a great time, great food, good friends, you know, good wine. Our owner, in fact, was a, he owned a, a vineyard in oh, Tokino, wow. Switzerland. So we, we did get uh, some good wine as well when we were out there. You really uh, hit the jackpot, didn't you, when you went out there to Switzerland? Greatest blessing in my life. Honestly, I, I was so unbelievably grateful for the experience. Uh, some of the girls I still talk to today, I actually saw one of them. When I went back to the States, was up in DC and I ran into her and, you know, you just jump back in conversation. It feels like you're back living in Switzerland. It's, it's yeah. really, it is a great opportunity. It's good to see some of the girls who are still playing as well. Yeah. Cause sometimes it doesn't matter the amount of time you spend away from some people that that moment where you finally get to see them again in person, it's almost like it hasn't been any time between when you last saw them and you can just instantly reconnect because of your experiences altogether. So yeah. let's go back to your globe trotting. That's how I see it. It's like, you're this, you're this professional footballer globe trotter. So you've gone from North Carolina to Orlando to Tennessee to Switzerland, and then you ended up in Cardiff in Wales. And, you know, most Americans that I've spoken to about university in Cardiff, they go, oh my goodness, is that near London? And, it, it, you know, you kind of have to go, no, it's, it's really not, unfortunately. So <laughs> how on earth did you end up from moving all the way over from Switzerland to Cardiff? Um, at the end of my time in Switzerland, I actually went into a brief period of retirement. Uh, I knew I always wanted to go into coaching and I was offered a position as a volunteer assistant coach at a university in Florida, not far from my house. And, you know, I, like I said, I always idolized Fiji. I always knew coaching was something I wanted to do because of how big his impact was on my life. I knew I wanted to be able to like, you know, help other people believe in themselves and grow as players and individuals the way he did. So I went to university, um, However, I found myself jumping into the sessions more than actually coaching the sessions. Uh, so I knew maybe I had probably done it a bit too prematurely. Uh, I still wanted to play. And the men's coach, Oliver Twelve Trees, uh, he's from Wales. He's from Swansea area. He was like, oh, like if you want to still keep playing and you want to finish your degree because I know you hadn't finished it, there's a team that you can play in the Champions League with in Cardiff. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I already knew about the UK. I had dated a Scottish boy and had been out here and visited the area and stuff so I, I know that Wales is its own country <laughs> I, I knew that Cardiff was uh in Wales and I knew that it was yes that you it's not in England I didn't so, I didn't say it was every American it's just the ones that I unfortunately know I like to break the stereotype as showing I know a little bit more about it um not a whole lot more but just a little bit more than the average American well at um, least you put your milk in after you've brewed your hot tea that's that's all uh, that's all that's yeah. important you don't want to hear the conversations if you don't. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he put me in touch with uh, Carrie Harris, who was uh, phenomenal in helping me set up the move to come out here. Uh, I got enrolled on my program to come out to the States or come out to the UK. I think. Um, and yeah, just got set up. 
then jumped into university and jumped into the football, went and played in Ukraine, another, another country onto the list. Uh, one I don't think I would have ever put on my list originally, but I've been there and I can now check it off. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have the results we won in the Champions League. I still uh, regret that to this day, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. And then, you know, we went and won the treble my first year, uh, won the league, won the League Cup, won the FA Cup. And yeah, it was a, it was a really great first year in Cardiff for sure. Amazing. But how hard was it then for you to obviously come to come to the end of your time at Cardiff Met you finished your degree how hard was it then to move across to Cardiff City whilst you were studying your master's or was it not a hard decision there was a little bit more into the background of this so after my first year at Met we'd won the trouble um I put up good stats with like assists and stuff because we had another amazing American player Maddie Shupak who was out on the team who was just making us all look good so I had good uh highlight tapes of getting assists to her and uh, I actually got asked to come out to one of those big professional teams in the U.S., Orlando Pride, who I think probably was only the D2 player at the time who was currently like around the league, been invited out to go to train with them. And that was my dream. That was genuinely the dream was to play for one of these teams in the States, but I never thought it was possible. So to have the opportunity something come out of nowhere, I was like, Oh, it's a godsend and all this. And I was on uh, a trial. And at the end of the trial period, they asked me to come back. And they said, Wednesday, we'll speak about uh, contracts. And then the Tuesday before I tore my ACL. No. Yeah. So uh, that was a really rough one to take because, you know, you, you're there, the dreams in reach. And then the injury came at a really bad time. So I was like, Didn't adjust. Like how do like, you, how do you process that? Could you even process that in the moment, or did you um, find you flashing out or looking for solace elsewhere? I was in a terrible headspace. Uh, you can ask my family. You can ask my friends. I was uh, wrestling with God over you know why had this happened to me? What was the purpose behind it? Like, oh, I just it was, it was rough. Uh, it was a rough few months, but Orlando thankfully helped pay for my surgery. Uh, I got it probably like a month after I was torn, which is quite quick compared to, I guess, some of the stuff that happens out here with NHS. But I was really grateful for that. And then I just began my PT process and I spoke to Carrie about coming back and getting my rehab done and finishing out, you know, some stuff with Met. And she very happily gave me my scholarship, which was amazing from her. Um, so that way I could get the physical therapy out here and continue my rehab and at six months I got cleared to play and at seven months I got my first game back and scored in the first goal game I scored a goal in the first game that I was back which was really great and I can't say that I got through the process without the help of my teammates here at Met uh had some really great people that I live with who helped me out helped me get through the process my family was behind me some of the girls from Orlando stayed in touch and were just super supportive throughout the whole thing um and that was great um, but yeah, I think when I got to the end of the year, I had spoken to somebody at Orlando and they're like, you need to be playing in a higher league than Met. And that kind of meant that I had to look elsewhere, but I wanted to finish university and school and stuff out here. And because I had just come off an ACL injury, it's very difficult to find other teams outside of it. And around that time, I got contacted by Cardiff City, who plays in the English League as a bunch of girls, the Welsh national team, I was heard that the level was really good. And yeah, I feel like 
I felt quite guilty with all the help that Carrie had given me at the time to then leave and go to a different team. But sometimes when you're chasing your dream, you have to kind of do what you think is best for you. And it was a really tough decision because like I said, all those girls, the coaches, they helped me get through the ACL. And then I felt quite bad about leaving after, um, but this had happened right around the same time that COVID had hit and it was really difficult finding teams in general. And yeah, that's kind of how I ended up at Cardiff City this year. And so how has it been? Um, obviously your playing experience at Cardiff City has been interrupted by COVID, but how have you found that sort of, you know, moving into another new football team, um, something that's, that's almost all too familiar for you, you know, changing between teams. How have you found that in a climate of the world that's been, you know, so strongly affected by something that you could never take control of? Um, well, it definitely made me very appreciative of being able to play because sometimes I think like twice during the year we had to stop playing because of the lockdowns and it like the girls, I love the new team. The level of the training sessions was really good. And I felt like I was kind of like getting back to where I needed to be as a player following my ACL. And I definitely felt like I was getting better and improving. I uh, had just broken into the first team and like, you know, starting in the first team, the starting 11. And at the time, that's like right about when COVID hit and we had to go into lockdown. So I was like, oh, okay, good stuff, but it'll come back. And then um, went home at Christmas and then the other lockdowns began again. And then the season ended up getting canceled, uh, which was so upsetting. <laughs> so upsetting because I feel like I hadn't put the full season together since my ACL and it's just it was definitely gutting but the new team uh they're amazing they're such good girls uh you've got obviously like the Welsh national girls who really um keep the standards at training quite high and obviously the rest of the girls are just as good quality you know they come out there they work hard they're they're not there to just mess about like they do train to like for a purpose which is this team wants to get promoted and they want to go through the ranks um, so obviously they want to get promoted into the championship because right now we're sitting third tier in England. And I think for Wales women's football in general, it'd be amazing for them to have a club that plays at that level. And if I could help be a part of that process at all, I think that would be amazing. Um, so I will probably be back next year uh, to stay at Cardiff City for one more year, one more go at getting promoted. Hopefully I get somewhere for these young Welsh women to go into a club that's in a good level that has good financing behind it and that's kind of where I am now. Wow that already answers my my next question for you is and you know what does the future hold for you and do you firmly see your future being in Cardiff then? Uh, at least for one more year uh, definitely one more year we'll see what happens um, after you never know what doors God will open uh, you know his plan not mine so at the end of the day whatever happens happens but yeah, at the moment, the, the plan is to come back next year and try to give it one more go because to retire uh, after a year like this past year would be just, it'd be, it'd be brutal. You know, COVID has stopped play for so many individuals and taking so much away. And I, I'm not going to let it take away my footballing career, not yet. So I'll let Absolutely. it be on my own terms. Well, let's say best case scenario then next season, Cardiff City ladies go up into the championship. Liv Thompson's not just going to walk away from that. I know you too well. You're going to want to be involved in that championship process because then the, the the whispers will start going around the camp as to, well, how, how what do we have to do now to push into that Premier League spot? How do we get up there with the the big guns, supposedly? Um, how, what's what's your thoughts on that? Um, I thought so. I would cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, <laughs> 
because, you know, uh, we're only ever given today. Tomorrow is not promised. So if it's just doing the best I can in today, and then if things go well in, in a year's time, we're in the championship and I'm allowed visa-wise to continue to play because, uh, you know, obviously I'm American citizen. Getting visas out here are not easy. Um, and, and things work out to where I'm allowed to play in the league, then, yeah, I'd love to stay on and keep going. Uh, football has been a passion for me ever since I was a kid. So the more, like, you can always work. You can always, you know, uh, settle down and put down roots at some point. But right now I still have a heart to play. And until that heart changes, uh, I'm going to keep going at it. So That's yeah. amazing. That, I mean, that that's just a really good way of putting it and how everyone really should take a look at, you know, the future and, and what comes next for them in life, whether it be sports or just just general life altogether. Um, I want to close by asking just two, what seem like simple questions, but you can expand on them as much as you like, because they could we could both do chats about these individual questions for hours. And so my first one to you is, if you could go back in time and you could talk to your teenage self, so about, you know, about stuff you need to do to, to get to where you want to be, what would you say to yourself? Um, and what would you, you know, let yourself know? Well, I tell myself to go to school because if I had got my grades up, I might've been able to go to D1 University and make this road a little bit easier for myself, which would have been nice. Um, but hey, you know, uh, I'll take the, the hard road if I have to, it's all right. Um, also work rate, like being disciplined and the sacrifice to be good at something is so much more worthwhile than you know going to parties and trying to fit in with like whatever else is doing the sacrifices make it worth it if this is like a path that you want to go down so i think yeah just teaching myself like that discipline would have been you know a, a big thing i wish i'd picked it up when i was younger uh, i've not started doing like the proper things of like you know gym and dieting and uh fitness I hated fitness for the longest time I still do but now I'm at least forced myself to do it so uh, if I had done that when I was a teenager I'd probably be better off than I am now but you know uh can't go back can't live in regret but those were definitely things I'd tell myself I could to close then to the person who's listening to this and to the person that's watching this um do you want to share with them your your social media uh give them give them a bit of a plug so that they can follow your journey and and stay in touch with you if they want to reach out to you and say hello as well um sure let me actually look at what my social media stuff is because I have no idea um I think most of my updates with uh my my journey as you call it are probably on Instagram uh it's the only thing I'm actually quite active on um so it's Liv Thompson underscore nine on Instagram uh my Twitter I'm quite useless all I do is just retweet things I think are quite funny so I wouldn't follow me on there um, but yeah, I do try to post a bit about my journey. You'll see my travel photos. You'll see my surf photos. You'll see my training and game photos. That's pretty much the only place you can really follow me. But yeah, uh, if you want to feel free, if not, no stress, no sweat off my back. So excellent. Well, all that's left for me to say is thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about your amazing journey so far. I say so far because it's far from over in my eyes and you know, you've, you've got such wise words um, in comparison to so many other people I know as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to, um, to talk to me today. Oh, geez. I don't know about wise words, but no problem. Thanks for listening to me ramble on. Uh, just grateful to be a part of the journey. Very uh, grateful to still be playing. Uh, 
you know, uh, Jesus kept me in it. So we'll see where he leads me next. But yeah, definitely very glad to be a part of this. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to the relaunch and restart of this podcast series, In Conversation With, hosted by me, James Roberts. Please make sure to follow this podcast as well as find me on social media at presenting underscore J Rob. Tune in next week for another conversation with more inspiring talent.